0: Hey guys kevin here with steve elizabeth and julio today we interviewed amelia lati what did you guys think
1: i thought it was a really excellent podcast um she talked a lot about uh, a lot of the struggles she's been through and traumas that have occurred in her life and how she's overcome them and thrived beyond them um what did you think julio
2: um she's so inspirational i mean i just i can't even say it uh, she inspires me she just has these this amazing feeling about her, and I hope our listeners can sense that as well. All right. Before we get started, Steve has our sponsors for us.
3: Yep, yeah, we'd like to thank our uh sponsors, Randy Lemus, Melrose Center for Eating Disorders, Summit Orthopedics, Trail Transformation, Gear West, Mountain Goat Running, and Squirrels Nut Butter.
0: All right. Enjoy the show.
3: Welcome to the Defeat the Stigma podcast. My name
0: is Kevin Shem, along with Steve Connolly, Julio Salazar, and Elizabeth Smith. Today, our guest is Amelia Lati. Amelia, how are you doing?
4: Hey, I'm doing so well now that I'm here. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Good. <laughs> gotcha. Uh, yeah, exactly. Thank you. Um, so we like to just have the guests kind of define themselves, tell us their story first. Do you think you could do that for us?
4: Yeah, absolutely. Oh, that, that's a lot. <laughs> I know it's a
0: lot. Just feel free to go as long or short as you want. It's up to you. St-
4: straight to the business. <laughs>
0: exactly.
4: Yeah, so how would I start? Um, I People often like to give labels to themselves, you know, define okay. themselves based on where they go to school, you know, and what are they maybe excited about um, and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Which is, I think part of that will uh, emerge during this conversation. But my favorite way to kind of describe myself or define myself is that I am a (laughs) co-traveller. So to, you know, really try to be a person on this planet who lives to open doors for other humans. Um, Give more than I take. Um, Do things from joy. And... Mm -hmm honor myself and honor other people. So that's something how I would, a way harder to define myself and we can go to all the other boring stuff later, you know, with like, <laughs> yes, yes, message green, this and that, you know?
0: Yeah. Oh yeah. No, 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 for sure. <laughs>
4: Have you
0: had this whole mantra your whole life or is this, this a newer thing?
4: Oh, nice follow up. Um, Thank you. Yeah, that was good, <laughs> yeah, um, <I> one.
0: <laughs>
4: no, th- this would be a, A rather recent addition (laughs) to my life. (laughs) Um, Yeah, a a lot of things actually changed for me quite a bit um, over something like six and a half, six, seven years ago. Mm -hmm. Um, So my background is in, um, nowadays, my background is in applied psychology. And in psychology, we have this really, one. we have many cool constructs, but one of the coolest thing I've ever heard of uh, this research Around is around post traumatic growth, and um, people tend to kind of divide, um, differentiate differentiate between when there has been some incident, some kind of a traumatic hard experience. They tend to see their life as pre trauma uh, and post trauma. So, my pre trauma life uh, back in that world, um, I used to define myself as based on what I do um, Mm -hmm. and things like that. But after trauma, I went through such a deep, um, reflective process of who I am. Why am I here on this planet? um, What am I contributing? And how am I adding some kind of something positive to people's life? Or am I? Um, So that led me to quit my job that I had back in the day with the Consulate General of Finland. And um, I went back to school to study psychology. And through that process and a lot of healing, uh, it's kind of, you know, what sometimes happens during this process of post-traumatic growth is that it really strips you bare, um, mm-hmm. and you start caring less about the trivial things um, yeah. and you have less time for bullshit also. Excuse my mm. French. So
5: um, do
4: it
0: more. I like that.
4: <laughs> oh okay, yes, okay. Okay, now we're now we're free. I mean, yep. I, I course, tend to drop f bombs all the time. Oh yeah, uh,
3: I love bring it uh, on.
4: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it, it's happened in the last you know five six years of my life that I've kind of discovered yes. who I am and yeah, it definitely didn't come easy, but here mm. we are.
0: You want to talk a little bit about the the trauma specifically? Um, you know, was that like a one time event or did that happen over the course of a few years?
4: oh my god i think i have like a lifetime of trauma (laughs) okay 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 (laughs) It's like i was recently telling my story um i returned from australia and new zealand a few days ago and i had the privilege and amazing honor to for the first time um teach kids and work with children for a few days and i love how children are just so honest you know they really don't have a filter Mm-hmm. And uh I guess it's kind of like you <laughs> will be. Yeah. It's like me. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, can You just see me last and, night. Oh.
4: Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Saturday evening. I can, yeah, I can imagine Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. <of course. laughs> <laughs> so, um yeah, so I was retelling my story to these children and um and so Nowadays, one of the things that I do in my life is that I, I'm a researcher, and my focus is in understanding how humans forge meaning um, during times of adversity, and how do we overcome these really extreme events and situations in our life. And you know I could almost say that everything in my life has somehow prepared me for this, what sure. is happening now. Um, in my life, so there's been yeah some illness um, related yeah. stuff when I was a kid, so I spent a lot of time at hospitals mm. and you know, went through school bullying for a few years. I don't even know how I tracked all this crap, you know, but yeah um, <laughs> then had this really utterly shitty relationship um, okay. when I was living in New York. and all I could all I can really say um, kind of let's see how the conversation naturally take shape, but, yeah. um, it was, a it was emotionally and mentally, uh, physically violent relationship, uh, which lasted about a year and a half. And the thing really was that I just didn't see the warning signs, the little yeah. subtle things, um, that usually are visible and there, uh, but if we just miss them, you know, and we want to think that everything is fine. And, um, and often we tend to start, blaming ourselves because Mm -hmm. the people the perpetrators um they're often very good in manipulating um people and then also it doesn't help that in our society there is this um stigma also around these experiences of domestic violence and interpersonal violence so we are shamed into silence around Mm -hmm. so many things um i recently listened to a wonderful podcast uh ted talk actually which I'm 100% sure that you are familiar with. And mm-hmm. It's by Andrew Solomon. And if you haven't listened to it, you, you must. It's absolutely gorgeous. He's an author and he speaks about depression in such eloquent and beautiful, deep way. Um, his, own, his, his own experiences. And I realized halfway through the TED talk that I could replace almost every single time when he uses the word depression, with yep. Word domestic violence because they mm. follow such similar patterns when it comes to the silence and the shame and all these things. So, um, I think I forgot the question by now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's fine. I was gonna move on to like, oh, you just it seems like you're just so like unbelievably open to talking about this stuff. Um, was there what started that? You know, have you all have you always been like a really open person or? Was it the reading or hearing, did someone say something to you?
4: Oh, well, I'm loving this podcast so much. You are amazing, amazing questions. I love that I don't have to repeat myself, you know. I like, like the
0: compliments too. Like You're a really great compliment <laughs> giver. Give me more.
4: I, I'm in a good mood. You're just, good. Be- I
2: just... you're just becoming Kevin's best friend, man. All
0: yeah. yeah. mm-hmm. you got to say is you like Drake and then we can hang out forever. <laughs>
4: Yeah. I love it.
2: So, back to the um, question. I'm sorry. Yeah.
4: So, no, it definitely, uh, Julio. <laughs> no, <that> was, <laughs> I know,
2: I know. It's just kind of funny.
4: <laughs> so, um, no, it definitely has not been like this forever. And um, I, back in the day when I started re- researching this concept of sisu, which is a Finnish ancient word for enduring extreme adversity and really tapping into your almost like this intestinal, internal fortitude, something that is deeper and more profound than your uh, some kind of cognitive processing, but it goes way deeper, and it's something that you tap into when you feel that you have depleted your mental or f- physical capacity. So it's a really badass concept. Mm. And, um, and, um, and then I realized when I was doing that work um and dealing with such topics and talking to a lot of trauma survivors that i myself hadn't done the thing that scared me the most which was to tell my story the way it is um which which meant also being open about this um experience that i had which is again completely just ridiculous because you know why was i carrying the shame (laughs) and not Mm -hmm. the other way around you know um, so I remember the first time when I shared my story, and I was so nervous. And um, and in private, I had told a few friends after the relationship was over. During the relationship, I kept it a secret from everyone. Um, but really, to share it out loud, um, it was actually the experience. I like to be kind of extreme about you know anything, everything I do. So yeah. um, it happened to be my first ever public presentation. At a science conference um, at the world, at the International Positive Psychology World Association Congress, and um, I was giving a talk in front of my peers. I was still a student, um, absolutely petrified of, of public speaking. Um, I didn't have any practice on that. We just don't do it in Finland, I guess.
5: <laughs> <again.
4: laughs> and and um, so my friend asked me that. My friend Karen Rockheim, um who was we were co-leading the workshop together. And she asked me that, do you think you could share a little bit about the history of why do you research Sisu? Like what was the origin for it? Origin, origin for it. And um, so I felt like, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll do that. And um, I mean, I had planned this uh, ahead of time. And I mentioned something of it, you know, and what ended up happening was I had a line of people who wanted to talk to me after the presentation. And it's a little bit unusual, honestly, to happen at a science conference, you know? Mm, Like, you know, the speeches tend to be a little bit boring sometimes. (laughs) And um, (laughs) so that, not that I was especially interesting or anything, but I realized that I had given some kind of a contribution that spoke to people's hearts. And that moment was a defining moment for me. I realized that this is the baton, um, I don't know how to pronounce it, but uh, that I have been given Mm Too, and I decided to receive it, and I started taking these small baby steps. But, and with every single time when I shared my story the way it is, uh, I almost felt like the spell broke, and this shame was chipped away slowly with every single time I told my story. And, you know, it still took a long time for me to really own it, you know, that it comes from this core place of like, that I can now say that I'm an overcomer of domestic violence. It started with like, yeah, I went through this experience, and it took me like ten minutes to say what it was, you know, like to describe yeah. everything, <laughs> and I like, felt like I had to, you know, really build this da- narrative and story around it. Um, but a couple of months ago, when I was in London, um, I was fortunate to speak at this wonderful uh, event called Festival of Doors, and there I noticed that wow, I for the first time really just used the word overcomer of domestic violence that it just felt so you know there's like just saying it you know it's like we shouldn't be carrying any shame so it's been a long journey and it's a it's um entailed this conscious decision from my part to over and over and again and again go to the place where i'm still kind of raw inside Mm um and You know, still to really tell the story, like if we spent like, you know, two hours and we had red wine and, you know, (laughs) going through the entire thing, you know, Um, it's still very emotional, but I am now at this different place. So, yeah, thanks for the question. That was actually. um, So, yeah, it's been a long process. So everyone should take their time. Everyone should take their time.
0: Yeah, it looks like you've been kind of all over the world doing speeches too now, huh?
4: Yeah, it's, I'm so grateful that I get yeah. to do it. It's like the more, the best thing yeah. in the world, where you um, get to give something of yourself to the service of those around you. And you know, some people will benefit from their They're benefit from it at the right time, right place. Um, some people won't, you know. And you can just give this gift to the world and see where it lands, you know. So yeah, yeah I'm super grateful.
0: I, I'm looking at like the list of of where you've been before, and I saw the University of Pennsylvania, and that got me excited because my brother just got accepted there uh, oh. for a PhD program. So I was like, "Oh, I know oh, that place." Oh no way! Yeah,
4: oh, <laughs> PhD program. That's really cool. I
0: know. Yeah, we're we're proud of him. Does it? Okay. I'm, yeah. Sorry. I, go I'm, for res-
4: it. I'm 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 yeah. resisting the urge to like actually go into a yeah. casual conversation, ask like what your brother is doing, but we can do that later.
0: <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Uh, we could, yeah. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> so do, the, do the speeches do they get easier, or is it is it the same? Has it gotten? I mean, I'm sure your structure and your and the, your flow gets better, but I think you were talking how emotionally you still kind of feel it uh, every single time you give the speech.
4: Yeah, it really depends, you know. So, I I give different types of speeches. Part, um, some of them are for organizations, you know, for companies like something like Accenture or Logitech and. People often want to hear about Sisu and this mental or embodied toughness, you know. Um, So those are different types of speeches where you can't go, it's not necessarily um, needed to go really deep into my, you know, experience of, of violence. But I do always mention it because I know that in a room of, let's say, 500 people or 100, you know, you always have a certain number of people who have had to endure violence in their life in their childhood maybe or they currently might be in a situation so yeah. i like to open the door that they know that okay at least there's this woman i can go and talk to because one of my problems was just um i didn't even know who to talk to if i wanted to um even yeah. at the early early stages after the violent relationship and it's different when i mean it's a different thing to pick up the phone and I need, uh, you know, a professional that I need to discuss with Then, if you can kind of, you know, talk to almost to like to a friend um, yeah. and you don't have to, like, pay for it. <laughs> so um, <laughs> so yeah. I, I do like to mention that. But um, about speeches in general, and some of them are at universities, some are, you know, small groups, and uh, now I love talking uh, to kids and uh, teenagers. Yeah. But, you know, it's different type of... Um, what's difficult or what's hard because when you learn the skill uh, the raw skill it um it gives it um frees up memory on your hard drive on your mental hard drive Mm -hmm. so you can you have more space to play around with you know you can start experimenting with humor um you can you know you don't have to be so stiff about it but i I'm really trying to be careful not to get too comfortable with it. Because if there's one thing I don't like is people who regurgitate their speeches over and over. Mm -hmm. Because if there's something really sacred about, you know, do you have this privilege of coming to a space with X number of people who have decided out of every single thing they could do that evening or morning, unless they're forced there by their employer? (laughs) Um, they can choose where they are or they can mentally choose to check in or check out, you know. So I see that as such an honor that um, it's also really, I mean, they're also sometimes paying me, so that's another thing, but also Mm -hmm. just as human to human. I feel that it's it's honoring the people that you try to really go there with this, almost from this little bit raw place, you know, where you feel that you are kind of tender. Because It's only through that process that you're able to try to attune to the people who they are at that moment. And that allows sometimes for this amazing magic to emerge when you just kind of see what's going on. And you also have to be very open and vulnerable. Um, So for me, it's nowadays about finding like, how do I find that space within me that I can be, um, that I don't build a shell or I don't start doing it as a job, you know? Yeah. So.
0: Um, so it's good when you feel emotions and you're up there.
4: Yeah, it's good For to, sure. it's it's always good to, you know, <laughs> feel, feel and, you know, to feel, somehow feel people's suffering. Yeah. You know, compassion means to see that in other people. And that's, that's the number one thing that we actually need to do as humans. You know, the rest is kind of, mm-hmm. you know, you craft a speech. And I mean, I realized one day that all of my speeches are about the same exact damn thing, which is like... <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's about it's yeah. about love. It's about love. You know, love people more. Love your you know. Accept yourself. Yeah. Be be kind to yourself. You know, because everything arises from there. At the end of the day, so.
0: Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, we're running across Illinois in about a month here, and uh, apparently <gasps> oh, we yeah. get to like stop can some I come? speeches. <laughs> you can come if you yeah. fly out for sure. Uh, <laughs> oh. Any pointers though, because Julio is gonna make us stop and talk at like schools and stuff.
4: Oh, that's amazing. Oh my god it's just really yeah. uh so when i saw the schedule for this um it was geelong grammar school um, and um so they gave me the sch- schedule for the day and i had never almost like practically even spoken to a child before because i don't have yeah. kids i don't have siblings you know <laughs> so i sent this response back like what am i supposed to do because the original plan was to give you know a couple of lectures to the teachers yeah and and you know, so I didn't know what to actually do. And I just trusted and I decided to go with my gut and, you know, just be genuine, be authentic, because kids will smell bullshit, like a mile away. Um, and just put, every, I mean, you have to put all of your energy because they definitely are energy hogs. You know? They see if you're not fully present and they'll just like, you know, the phones come out and they're like, I wouldn't care. So, um, <laughs> But it's really stories like my Iron Man story from New Zealand. So I did my first Iron Man um, March 4th at Lake Taupo. That story was a
0: superhero. Sorry, I thought you were talking about like Iron Man. Iron Man. I'm sorry. Continue. Oh. <laughs> I was like, wait, no, Iron no, Man. No, Holy
1: shit. I, I didn't know. I she's to to the she's the superhero. She did the Iron Man, so That's
4: Elizabeth. <laughs> Iron wo- Iron <laughs> Shoot, Woman. Laser yeah. Iron yeah, Woman.
5: Yeah. yeah,
3: I like it. Uh-huh.
4: There you go. I love how my friends keep correcting. By the way, they're like Iron Woman. They refuse to say Iron Man. So I hope people are
0: really stingy about that. I don't know. I don't know how to feel about that.
4: It's good. Yeah. Well, I'm gonna. I'm gonna. F- Found a competing company called the R in Person. Yeah,
0: <laughs> there, you <go. laughs> there you go. I'm
4: just an Iron Person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. R you know, something. Um, anyway, yeah. so that was a huge hit. So, and the adversity that I encountered in my first 20 minutes. And I thought that, wow, I came all the way here, spent all my savings, trained, you know, for all yeah. this time, dreamed about this for 16 years, and I don't even make it to like 30 minutes. Like that's <laughs> lame. That's Amelia. You're so lame. Uh, but anyway, so telling stories, just, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's right. going to be we'll
3: awesome. Figure it out. Mm. And so yeah, now, it- oh, go ahead. Kevin. Steve. No, go- I was
0: just going to do a bullshit question, please. What's your bullshit <laughs> question? <laughs> I, was, I, was, no, just gonna, I was just going to ask, okay, so do you have to change your speeches a lot when you have adults uh, versus like a teenager or a little kid? And how do you prepare for that?
4: Well, I only have experiences from, so I, um, I got to work or, you know, communicate with kids from ages eight to 14. So that's like kids and teenagers. And honestly, I was so surprised of the um, level of um, how mature these little humans were. So here's an example of the questions that I received from um kids humans who were eight to nine years eight to nine years old okay. so i told them about my story actually really you know like very i used the language i said i'm you know i had to overcome this uh relationship and there was emotional abuse and physical abuse you know i was yeah. kind of figuring out how, how i can share it so that it's okay but they completely took me by surprise by asking questions like um emilia this is i can't even still believe this emilia yeah. Do you see a difference between the mannerisms of a person who's had to overcome physical versus emotional abuse?
5: Oh. I'm like,
4: I haven't heard this question from an adult, yeah. you know? And and then like Amelia, could you share some of the stories you've heard from the people you've interviewed for your PhD? I'm like, yeah. where did you come from? You know? So yeah. I don't know. I would just really give kids more credit than they we tend to give them. You know, yeah. there's just so much capacity there that it's often unexplored, you know.
3: Okay. All right. Yeah, and it's it's easy to lose them if you make a stupid analogy like I did. (laughs) I singled out a kid in a Viking sweatshirt. We were in Wisconsin. And that's a football team where they throw it, not like soccer, like football. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and i i made the i made the assumption uh, that soccer. that he was from Minnesota, which he wasn't, and the whole thing blew up oh, in my face. No. And yeah, I was scared he was going to get beat up afterwards, but <laughs> <laughs> I think it went out oh, okay. Other than that, okay. Was was, all right. Um. So what I, I was going to ask you, you you've been doing these speeches, and now you're like taking this to the next level. You are doing the um. Sisu not silence project. And uh, so you're going to be going, you're going to be running the length of New Zealand, right? From North to South.
4: Uh, Yeah. From South, South to North, South to North.
3: Okay. And Mm -hmm.
4: 1500
3: miles. So when did this idea pop into your head and have you ever done anything like this before?
4: (laughs) No, I, uh, (laughs) I finally done my, uh, I finally did my first ultra distance run um, a couple of months ago and <laughs> first one wow. and um, it was it was just me randomly running from Los Angeles to what's that fancy place where all the rich people live um,
3: San Francisco M- M- M-
4: M- Malibu <laughs> no dude i'm in malibu i'm in san francisco Edina. so we're like living in a shoebox and um, so yeah so the idea popped into my head it was pretty much right after the abusive relationship was over but it was not an idea like okay i'll actually do this it was more like i had this yearning uh, and i've had this love for new zealand for the past almost 20 years 16 years to be exact when i first saw an ironman competition on tv and i just knew that one day i'll have to get there and do my first iron man in new zealand and i waited all these years you know and i just never found enough motivation uh to start training for it um so I, I, I wouldn't call myself your typical gritty person who's like an overachiever athlete. Uh, it's still the longest distance for me for, is from my couch to my door, my, you know, my uh, front door. Mm-hmm. And um, and um, so uh, I got this idea and it was just this tender thought, almost like someone whispered it to my ear that, you know, how amazing it would be one day to run across the length of this country of my ancestral spiritual homeland, you know, but it was just one of those thoughts, you know, uh, it was definitely nothing that I kind of, you know, made note, made a note on. I just now can think backwards and reflect that. Yeah, I did have that thought. Um, well, it was a changing, um, moment for me. And I'm actually, I realized when I was looking at some old interviews from 2014 and 15 in Finland for some magazine. And in both of those magazines, um, during the interview, I had mentioned that I have this dream to run the length of New Zealand. And they actually included that sentence in both of those kind of bigger interviews. So it's been something that I've been feeding myself, you know. Um, And then in November 2015, yes, um, it was after being super sedentary for 11 months, I actually had my first experience of the visitor called depression that year um which was interesting and we can't we uh, might go there um I was surprised be, I mean I used to tell my husband now husband that um it's surprising that I've never had depression because all the stuff that has happened you know that it would be almost like a natural reaction to it but then it did come visit me and uh, but that's another story so anyway so I had been really sedentary no running um none of that's stuff for a long time and I happened to get on a Skype call with a girlfriend of mine who I met already 10 years ago when we we're both traveling and we both ended up leaving our um she left her abusive husband um and she also had a child you know and so it was during the same time when we we're both living in New York in 2010 it was October 2010 for me when I uh, finally got out and um and in, during this Skype conversation, she's telling me that now she has to go through the court process, you know, she lives in a different country in Europe, uh, which is not very supportive of domestic violence overcomers, so she spent all of her finances, there's like custody battle, all this bullshit, and she sounded so consumed by this crap, you know, and it just... My heart was just in pieces because I realized that what a joy and luck, you know, and what a blessing it had been for me that I had found this amazing human who's my husband now, and how he has held me, the safe space that has allowed me to heal so much um, that I am a different person now, and I can carry so much of other people's suffering because of the strength, you know, and. In that moment, you know, I told her that I have this dream that one day I want to run this through this fucking country. <laughs> and uh, and she, um, the the voice, the sound of her voice when she said, "Amelia, uh, you have to do this. It's like um, here in Silicon Valley, you have this, you know, everyone's like pitching some startup or another, you know. And when you have this ice light up moment at the other end, you know, then you're like, you know, mm-hmm. some gold. <laughs> and She said that you have to do this. And this is the magical, mysterious part. It wasn't my mind or my consciousness that decided that, okay, I'm going to have to do this thing now because it's the right good thing to do. My body decided it before I did. There was some kind of almost like a shift, um, some kind of awareness or elevation of consciousness, embodied consciousness. And I see that as the moment when it was sealed like my fate for that thing, you know, and we ended the Skype call. I went to our balcony. I'm looking at the balcony right now. I'm sitting at the same, I'm actually sitting at the very exact same spot on my bed, in the middle of my bed, uh, where I was, when I spoke with her and I saw the most, beautiful, most beautiful rainbow (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) unbroken gorgeous rainbow. Um, and then, you know, I did this thing that I do, that I start talking about this thing that I need to, you know, do. And, um, I mentioned it first to some, my husband. I mean, he's used to me being like, just like totally a weird person. And he was like, okay. Um, and then it was like, well, how can I help you? <laughs> like, I'll support you. I'll make you a website. You know, what do you need? What can I practically do? You know, he's all about like acts of like active, um, how would I say it? Like practical love in addition to being my sweetheart bunny. Loving. But um, so he does deeds of love, you know. And uh, then I started building it from there and I had no clue if I can even do, like, I had by then my longest distance was a marathon, you know, 2011 in New York City marathon. And then before that, 2003 and four in Finland. So <laughs> that was kind of like the endurance stuff that I had done. And coming from a place of, you know, feeling just nasty when I went for a run because I was in a bad shape. And so it really was leaning into something that was unknown to me, whether I could do it or not. Um, but I definitely got a kick out of, you know, a couple of people discouraging me and laughing about it. And I'm like, oh, 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 oh I'm uh-huh. gonna show you. Uh-huh. Um, so I have this counter reaction always when people, um, when they do that. And um, But honestly, I have never really questioned whether I can do it. It was more of like just I needed to talk to someone. And the person who I spoke with first was this woman who you absolutely have to ask for your podcast, who is like my Shiro, um, and who has planted some seeds in my mind also about that humans can do these crazy things. And um, she's from Mexico, a human trafficking survivor called Norma Bastidas. Um, she, a couple of years ago, she did, I hope I'm not now, it was at least 20 Ironmans. It could have maybe even been 30, but 20 or 30 are Ironmans on consecutive days. And she did it to raise awareness on human trafficking. And her route followed the same route that the human traffickers take when they smuggle kids, women, and men from Mexico to the US. It just is amazing. And I heard her interview in 2013, in September, when I was in San Diego. And she told her story and how she was training for this Ironman back then, you know, and she actually ended up completing it. Um, and that also was something that it gave me this like hmm like maybe who knows maybe i have enough badass in me to like do something really audacious one day and this k- audacious is a key word here i asked myself the question when i began when i started to become aware of this problem of domestic violence and what an unrecognized underrecognized human rights issue it is and i saw the narratives of you know the shaming um only narratives that I saw around, you know, for someone who's an overcomer, I used the word overcomer, by the way, on purpose, uh, not because surviving implies that there's nothing more than survival or surviving after these things, which is bullshit. There's a lot of life. There's a lot of healing. Um, these people and us people have so much wisdom and, um, and just people are often, well, these I'm talking about the people who I've interviewed for my PhD and the amazing humans, men and women who I've encountered. It's just, I have, it's so, so beautiful and I want to tell those stories. So I asked myself the question also that what is the most audacious and badass thing I could do to show that I'm serious, I'm willing to sacrifice um, and take a risk to show that I really am serious about this thing. And this idea of the run kept coming to me. And then when the time was right and ripe, um, it just, I said yes to it. And then after that, I did not really question. It's just I don't even think about the goal, thousand five hundred miles. I know it's going to happen. Um, you know, if something happens that it doesn't, then I don't give a shit. You know, it's like I'm not there to prove anyone, um, and I refuse to be impacted influenced by external pressures. You know, I want to um, honor myself throughout the process. I believe there's a way to train in a way that's compassionate, um, and that you don't break your body but running can actually be such an amazing amazing you know about all about this such an amazing healing experience um so that's also part of the message and my message is about non-violence so i can't violate myself while i do this so it really bugs me when people come to me and like oh amelia you're gonna break yourself and i'm like <laughs> yeah you don't, you don't know how i train like i'm like <laughs> the kindest little bunny to myself i talk to my body you know and um we decide whether we run or whether we walk you know so
2: <laughs> so emilia you are doing this um <clears throat> run is in november right yeah so you start in november what do you have for a crew team do you have people from new zealand and i know you were there and you were doing some a lot of uh, networking while you were there this last time mm.
4: um
2: so is your is your husband coming with you this time
4: yeah, so next time when I go, this time I had to go alone, unfortunately, because of like crap visa and green card stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> thank you, USA. <laughs> mm-hmm.
5: and, hey, uh, don't thank the, all of us. Who
4: who we <laughs> shall not name. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> so, um, yes, yeah, so next time he'll be there with me, at least uh, for part of the journey. Uh, depends mm-hmm. totally on where we're going to be in, on this planet, you know, and uh, work stuff and all that because you know someone needs to work when the other person is a broke-ass social activist you know so (laughs) (laughs) so um um so yeah actually now that you mentioned uh we haven't um finalized a crew yet so this is totally for someone who hears it and feels a really deep calling can totally drop me a line and who knows what might emerge i want to keep my team pretty small because i Love to. I want to avoid hassle and it's a bit of a sisu mentality too, you know, that I'm not going to have someone, you know, give me a water bottle every kilometer, but it's more like I'm going to put my running bag on and run for hours, you know, maybe, you know, meet someone like every hour or hour and a half or something like that, probably. Um And I do a lot of of these lone runs nowadays with my running back, just sometimes six, seven hours. And and, uh, it just feels like it's the natural thing for me to do. Um, And I'm now doing what I'm supposed to be doing with my body uh, almost. So yeah, it's not finalized yet, but some ideas are there. Some people have expressed interest, but I know that things will kind of go how they're supposed to go. Um, Everything has really just emerged so organically and beautifully because I'm not forcing it um, because I know that it's, it's not even my run at the end of the day it's something bigger which i almost didn't choose but it chose me so i'm like universe like dude like okay i'm doing this so i know you're gonna like you know meet me you know somewhere in the middle you know so yeah
2: <laughs> you were talking about warning signs and that's something that uh, i mean how do and i i mean i grew up in a in a home where there was domestic abuse and i remember one of the things that were more damaging to me in life as a kid growing up and my first recollection of um these images which they never go away they always stay with you You just at one point you learn to Mm. to live with them but i still have those images and i think it had to be by the time that i was four or five i was very young but i remember seeing my dad physically assaulting my mom in front of us, the three of us. And that's something that stayed with me for many years. And I remember the screams, and I remember the yelling, and I remember the, the, the punches and stuff like that. Uh, and that's something that really stayed with me. And actually, it's probably one of the things that has affected me the most. Uh, as a young adult growing up, uh, I was very shy. I self-esteem, all the kind of stuff that comes with it. But you are talking about those warning signs. What's the... I mean, it, it's hard to, to see those things. And then for, mm-hmm. for someone who is a kid and is living in those situations, I mean, you don't really know what the hell is going on mm-hmm. at those moments. Because, uh, I mean, yeah, you know there's a fight, you know there's bad, you, you see bruises and all kinds of stuff, but mm-hmm. still, it's, it's your parents. I don't know, it's hard to compute um mm. when when you were in this relationship what uh i mean what would you tell people now i mean about about those warning signs what mm. w- what are things to look for
4: <laughs> <laughs> thanks julio for sharing that and i just have to just say that how much i really respect you and the strength that you just exemplify um and i will do anything, I can support you with the amazing mission that all of you have. And I'm just, it's, I'm so honored to be doing this podcast with you. I'm having, like, I'm really feeling this. It's, just, it's amazing. Um, the warning signs, how I would say, I mean, it's a different situation when you're a child because you are dependent on these humans for your food and shelter and the basic needs, you know, it's so, I don't even honestly... I can maybe only talk from uh, what I've gone through as an adult, and there are things that can be extended to that situation, maybe. But if someone is, you know, with a with a partner, I honestly think like one of the biggest takeaways from this experience for me has been boundaries. Like we need to set some goddamn boundaries, you know. You we can't let people because if we don't have them have the boundaries defined, how do we know when they're crossed? You know, it's like we're floating in this space where people can, you know, a punch here, a left hook, you know, and it's just, you know, I'm talking like proverbial or, you know, you know, um, this like emotional abuse. And I mean, here's something that I would say, and this is like a total, like, you know, make a quote out of this, you know, it's a, that you need to really part ways with those who diminish you. It's this is a hard line, you know, um, there is like there's no excuse for putting someone down. Um, we have bad days, you know, but if it's something that continues, we, I mean, this and this is not victim blaming. Um, I'm not saying that, um, you know, how to avoid not being in a bad relationship or getting raped. You know, we need to teach people not to rape, obviously, but we can't also wait for those perpetrators to change. Because while we do that, we have like, you know, 300 million kids a year, you know, and like hundreds of millions of adults who are sexually assaulted or physically assaulted or mentally battered, you know, every year. And that is such a massive ripple effect, so I always talk about boundaries and just um when we start feeling that oppressive behavior someone is with with in my case, you know it started with diminishing um uh, my interests, you know with something really like you know how that's very innocent, mm-hmm. you know. Um, you know, you study psychology, that's for like stupid people, like math was only cool, you know, mm-hmm. um, my language was ugly, you know, uh, <laughs> I didn't dress the way he wanted, you know, it's like silly stuff, you know? And, you know, there's this saying that when a crazy person tells you the same thing hundreds of thousand times, you know, you slowly start to believe them. Even the most absurd things, which I now, when I look back, I know like, oh my God, that was such, you know, like, how could I ever, you know? But it's, um, so our, we could almost see it the way that our inner narrative is sacred, you know, it's sacred and it's also very vulnerable to these stories that people tell us about us, you know. Um, We should be very selective and careful who we allow to come so close that Mm -hmm. the sticky paper, the fly paper that the inner narrative thing inside is, which is like, (laughs) this sucks everything, you know that who do we let so close Um, and I did not do that and and if there's an amazing gift or skill that I have now is um, after this relationship is that I'm I'm pretty um, good with my intuition when it comes to uh, people and there's just some kind of a gut feeling that tells me things and mostly I'm right you know so I'm really good nowadays in setting boundaries and I you know, I believe in this, my mantra is be kind to everyone, but take no bullshit. Mm-hmm. Seriously. It's like, we need to stop taking bullshit from, um, people who, cause not everyone's intentions are good. And that's just something I, it's like the most silliest thing that I didn't know that, but I just had to learn it the hard way. And, um, I, yeah, so boundaries would be something and to have an open dialogue with, enough people you know that's the thing that we start silencing ourselves we see maybe a warning sign but if we lived in a society where um i could actually feel comfortable telling my girlfriends or my you know male friends mixed friends that um you know this this woman or this man did this thing and it felt bad you know it felt weird but i'm not sure what it is if we could actually have an open conversation about what's going on in our lives, we could have these people who could be our mirrors, you know, and they mm-hmm. could say like, no, that is not okay. But instead we do the exact opposite, which is to our detriment that we hold it, you know, we're silent. I didn't tell anyone cause I knew that they would probably judge him, you know, and also there was the, you know, he used to tell me that um, cause he was very kind of charismatic to outsiders. Um, and he said that, you know, if, even if someone w- would tell someone, they would not believe you.
5: Mm-hmm.
4: And I would almost say, like the I, I don't know if this sounds weird, but it, the violence wasn't even like the biggest tragedy of my situation. The biggest tragedy was that I believed that no one would care, and I believed it so long that it nearly killed me. So <clears throat> well, this you is were, the message.
2: And you were brainwashed. I mean,
4: it's
2: oh. like like you got like you were saying. This guy had the ability to to do this to you, and, and then most likely it happened overnight. It took time no. to get there. Yeah,
4: it's a and very, very it subtle thing. Yeah, it's a very subtle thing. Yeah, and that's because, what
1: I was gonna say, thank you so much, Amelia, for discussing kind of around the warning signs question that Julio <laughs> um, gave, mm-hmm. because I think that's something you can say, warning signs, maybe as you look back, is that kind of what you're getting at? Um, mm-hmm. Because if there's a little by little behavior, maybe they don't, in the moment, Mm. do they do they seem like warning signs or is it more of like a reflective thing that once you put together a pattern you're like oh yeah those were warning signs
4: yeah i would say afterwards but i mean it's something that now when someone let's say hears his podcast right n- now there's like um that person has been primed to maybe be a little bit more kind of um uh, that you would notice when you know these things that someone keeps saying or what they do so you can maybe get you know out sooner and not just expect that it will kind of fade away um it really rarely does you know and even if it doesn't escalate to like something insane and crazy it's just not a good place to be you know it's like we have only this one lifetime so spend it with people who truly value you and allow you to be your best self you know so
1: One of my favorite quotes that I've read about a healthy relationship, especially prior to children, um, I guess maybe Julio and Steve can (laughs) tell us post-children, was that um, you should be with a partner that makes you more able to do more than you could by yourself, which it sounds like Mm. your current partner is able to help you do, um, Mm. and you might agree with that. And if you're in in an unhealthy, destructive relationship, you might have so much of your time consumed by that that you actually could do less.
4: Then you oh, yeah. put along well
1: do you think that that would be kind of a good benchmark for like a healthy yeah. versus unhealthy relationship at least at least prior to children children I think take up quite a bit of time <laughs> so maybe that's the wild, <laughs> <horse>. <laughs> yeah, wild card yeah
4: no it's it's really well said I mean it's not like that you can um, well that combined with the element of that you feel that someone is diminishing you so right. I mean, because there can be reasons why right. you're not maybe failing your hundred percent. But yeah, I would add that to the toolkit. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Sorry, Julio, I cut you off a minute ago. Did you have? <laughs> did you He's have now. some follow up?
5: <laughs>
1: no, that, that was amazing. I, I'm glad that you uh, jump in
2: and, and help with that too. Because I mean, this is a, this is a big deal. It's a big, you know, we talk about the stigma there is with mental health, and we talk about other stigmas in this, in our society, but domestic abuse is something that we don't talk about as much as we should. Um, by the time that we hear about domestic abuse, I feel personally that it's too late, uh, mm. way, way too late. And I know that um, personally because my parents stayed together for a hell of a lot of time. Again, mm. there were a lot of reasons why they stayed together. And uh, um, I wish they hadn't at the time. Mm. Um, when you were talking about charismatic people, it's kind of like um, it brought memories back because my dad was probably one of the most respected guys in town. Mm. And outside of the house, nobody would even know the crap was happening inside the house. Uh, I mean, and I, that just brought me back to those times. And and it was something that you just mentioned. And it's like, wow! and and that's true. These people are very charismatic and they know what to do. They have, uh, they're very smart when it comes to stuff. Um, I don't know. It just brought me back to those moments for for a second. Mm
1: -hmm. Well, I I think that can be really, that can be really hard, Julio. Um, I don't know if it's the same in Finland, but I think in the United States there's often um, also a thought that um, marriage and relationships are hard and they're hard work. Um, so uh, it can be tricky sometimes. I think, especially if you're with a charismatic person, to go outside of that relationship and start even beginning to tell stories. You know, even with some of your closest friends, especially if they're kind of shared friends. Um, mm. So I'm so sorry you had to go through that, Julio. I'm sure it was. It must have. If your dad was kind of that that person in town, that must have been. Kind of tricky for your your mother to deal with not only in the house but outside of the house as well, and oh, you as well, you as well, and your your siblings. So, yeah,
2: okay. and this the thing is, I learned from a from an early age, and I think I'm I'm very proud of my brother, and quite honest, I'm very proud of myself because I think the two of us lived that. I was the oldest one, so I lived longer than they did, but uh, both of us turned out to be totally different than my dad. Like we Mm. didn't want to be that way. Uh, We saw what was happening and a lot of people either are going to choose to be like that person or they're going to be the opposite. And I, I and my brother, we both chose to be different and and to treat our spouses in a much better way. Mm. Um, But then I know my sister has gone through three marriages already. Mm-hmm. And she and oh, I I know another sister that I I mean I mean half sister that I have. She's gone through the same thing. Um it's hard for me to understand that I know it's very complex. I, I tried to read a, a little bit about it, but and I know there are some syndromes of the women's battle women, I think it is called. But uh it is hard. It is very hard, very complex. I, I'm not a professional about it. I, I do my own therapy for my own issues, but uh I don't know. That to me was uh, the thing that I, I struggled with 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 the most growing up. And up until 10 years ago, probably is the thing that damaged me more, the most
5: mm-hmm. in
2: life. Uh, but, you know, and then you learn to, through therapy, that you weren't responsible for the things and stuff like that, which is so cool. But uh, um, I would love to do more. Um, and I just... I'm so proud of you, and Emilia, for doing what you're doing. Um, and I remember when I first heard about you, um, I was going through Facebook. And Facebook has a lot of BS and shit that we don't need to, to read. But one of the really good things that I, I saw on Facebook was your page. And somebody, a friend, had liked it. Mm-hmm. and. And I'm like, oh, okay. Who is this chick running across New Zealand? Okay, let's see what's mm-hmm. what this this do she's doing. Then I started reading your page, and it's like, whoa, whoa! This is very close to me. And I remember reaching out to you, and like right away we connected. And I remember talking to you was talking. I mean, I, it was amazing. I, I felt at peace from the second I started talking to you. So I mean, you had the gift. I think something that comes from from being there. And, and now open up yourself to help others. And I'm just glad that you're doing it because you're very good at it.
4: Thank you.
1: I have a couple I have a couple questions um, to kind of take you back to that, I guess, probably not your favorite time in your life. But what was the thing that finally got you out of the relationship? What if you feel comfortable sharing? Um and then what was your most important tool, um when you were, you know, early days kind of healing from that trauma um, and being done with that
4: relationship in your life? Mm. I almost feel like starting with the last question.
1: Oh so, sure, sure, cause and cause that's I, actually I, the more important piece.
4: So yeah, because I actually don't have any like super shiroik amazing you know victorious story of like and that morning i woke up and i was like screw this shit i'm gonna leave it was like unfortunately it wasn't like that it was more like things came to that point and um and it ended with this last really um uh, brutal evening um and as a result of that he we i finally for the first time called the police which never even occurred to me as living as a foreign person in a different country you know Uh, I really didn't think anyone would care, and um, it just wasn't a thing, because I had never even dialed 911 with my little fingers, you know, Mm -hmm. but so it did come to an end with a bang, um, and um, he ended up getting deported from the country, he didn't flee the country before that, because he didn't, you know, obviously have the integrity to actually stay there long enough um, Mm -hmm. for his own trial, (laughs) but um, his dad was there. (laughs) Anyway, so, but for healing, um, for me, like, one of the biggest things was, because I I struggled a lot with, um, honestly, self-hatred was a a huge thing with me for a long time after this relationship. Just this question of, um, (laughs) it was reinforced by the fact that everyone asked me, because it's, you know, I understand also why people ask, but why (laughs) did you stay? Like that's always why did you stay? Oh, the question, a, the, oops. the question is, I understand it. Yeah, it's it makes it's logical actually because it it reveals mm-hmm. something about the dynamics of violence and why we actually do stay because we somehow mm-hmm. sense that um, it is there has to be something wrong with me that someone would physically or ver- uh, verbally abuse me because it we are meaning sense making beings we want to make sense you know of things and the world mm-hmm. and it just fights against everything that we know to be logical you know that humans don't lie they're good mm-hmm. you know we mm-hmm. we do to an extent function under these you know uh, um premises and so you start asking like what did i do wrong you know that i that i'm still here and the people ask the same question because it is implicit in that question you know that mm-hmm. what did you do you know
1: um
4: mm-hmm. but we don't get to change the society with asking that question. We need to focus on the perpetrator, he or she, whoever it is. Um, and then we can start unfolding, like, why does the person do it? And also what are the social uh, social structures that often perpetuate mm-hmm. the violence and allow it? You know, there's mm-hmm. so many layers of this stuff. And, um, but, so I stru- struggled a lot with self-hate, um, asking myself, why didn't I help myself? Like, Mm -hmm. why do I allow this to happen to myself? Um, So that was one of the, I have these blocks of like things that I had to kind of go through. And uh, so that was one. Um, And something that's really helped me um, in addition to the obvious things, which are, you know, have good friendships and, you know, people who we can talk to and all that. But just honestly, the science behind things like practicing self-compassion, you know, Mm -hmm. like doing these exercises where you... Just tell yourself that you know you have come a long way, and you know I know that Amelia or you know whoever that you did the best you could in that mm-hmm. situation, like under those circumstances, with the knowledge, with the experiences you had, with the fear you may have been feeling, you know whatever it is. Um, so slowly finding my way back to this place where I was able to forgive myself fully um for allowing these things to happen to my mind and my body you know so that's been a huge thing and there's a really good book that i read that was kind of a very meaningful book for me maybe 5 years ago or something it, it's called the mindful path to self compassion and mm-hmm. it's written by this man a uh, professor i don't remember his name now it's been such a while but uh kristin neff is this researcher who kind of pioneered the concept of self compassion so she has good stuff too but this Book called *The Mindful Path to Self-Compassion* is very good, Um, and that has healed me because it really is that until we're able to love ourselves again, it's going to be really hard to love anyone else and hold that space. Because then we act so much from defense, our defenses. You know, we're constantly worried whether someone accepts us or not. Um, So I think the second phase that came after slowly starting to forgive myself was this pivotal moment when I it hit me like just like a flash you know um uh I know it had been a process but it came to the point where I realized on this very deep level that I can't look for validation for my existence from other people's eyes you know I remember Mm -hmm. thinking about eyes in particular you know like Mm -hmm. how do people look at us do they look at us with eyes of like acceptance and kindness or do they look at us all you know And in that moment, I realized like, wow, you know, this is, this is one key, you know, because the moment when we approach any situation with this need for something from the other person, we Mm -hmm. give our power, power away, you know, Mm -hmm. and that's the thing, like who, who made someone that person that they should have any power over you? Like, no. And, um, so just... Thinking, you know, like this radical, super radical thought that what if I am enough? <laughs> mm-hmm. What if I am enough, just the way I am, with with this bullshit history of like bad decisions and uh, <laughs> and and now like you know um, doing my best to grow and learn, and then you know be a friend to someone and you know help someone heal, you know, uh, and also become healed through that process myself, you know. So.
0: Okay, so Amelia. Um, what do you have going on now, other than the whole like running across a whole country deal? Uh, any big projects or anything like that going on? I know that was a horrible segue, but I, <laughs> I, know. I was it. like,
4: well, on my yeah. spare time. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. I know we gotta, and we, and unfortunately, the podcast has to end sometime. So I <laughs>
4: transition. Oh. I know. Um, well, I would call like I don't know if this is like a good expression because my husband was like Amelia, don't say it like that, but. So, yeah. so my, my side hustle is my PhD.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, I, like so I, I like that, <laughs>
4: I like that. I think it's so good, you know, because it's like I define myself as this weird co-traveler. Yeah. Uh, I like yeah. to run. I don't call myself a runner, you know, but it's like I run, and that's, you know, one way to do this thing. Um, <laughs> and I just, you know, try to be open to have my one woman, Amelia Practic, uh, is it a word like open for everyone, like wherever I go that people can come and talk to me. Um, By the way, if anyone wants to send me an email, ask a question about anything, just drop me a line through my website. I'm super, you know, uh, uh, responsive. Um, And um, so, yeah, I'm doing the research (laughs) and I'm currently conducting interviews with men and women who are overcomers of emotional, verbal, sexual abuse, whether it's, you know, childhood or adulthood. And I chose to give this PhD to the service of this very topic Um, when I, you know, as I look at mental, you know, this, like our ability to overcome. And I could have chosen something like entrepreneurs. I live in Silicon Valley, at least for now. (laughs) And uh, I could have done, you know, high-performing athletes or something like that. I'm still super intrigued by that topic, though. Um, But I really wanted to give it to this this topic of domestic violence because it is again such an under-recognized issue and there's so much silence so through that act i can already have my phd creates hopefully something practical to the world that it's not yeah. just me, you know, tinkering in like some corner. <laughs> and, uh,
5: nothing, wrong like,
4: with- not, nothing wrong with... wrong <laughs> <laughs> I just like insulted like half of my... <laughs> like everyone, and, 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 anyway. so awesome. close to yeah. this podcast, so... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm such an idiot.
1: GCNFFS <laughs> for peripheral cell membrane
4: protein measurement. Oh, no, but he, hey, like, I'm a total geek, by the way. So I mean I'm topic. <laughs> and, uh, well, I uh, mean we're all standing at the the shoulders of giants, you know, so there is no practical research without the theory. Uh, and yeah, and, and, um, and, and the whole point on, is <laughs> that and the and the whole point is that it contributes to the, you know, uh, theory. But anyway, so that's something that I'm uh um, finally getting um kind of more into that rhythm i am doing another interview on tuesday and uh and just trying to i'm using grounded theory uh as my method and um to see maybe to bring like a little tiny piece of this massive puzzle um of like what is human endurance and what are the limits and the extent you know the breadth breadth Bread? <laughs> How do you even say that? <laughs> uh, with a D, you know, and the width mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> of um our endurance. Um, so yeah, let's let's see. So that's yeah. That's like a that's like a one huge thing. So the right, Go
1: ahead. Go ahead, Julio. Sorry, I was just going to ask about time management because like a uh, PhD as a side gig seems um like you must be pretty good with time management to be going all over the globe giving speeches, <laughs> training for a New Zealand run, and doing a PhD, I'm pretty sure I just did one of those things and I'm not even sure I did it all that well. So (laughs) Uh, are you really good with your time?
4: Um, so (laughs) I would say that, well, I'm also, so there's always like most, in most cases when it looks like someone is like, you know, doing everything, there's usually certain practical things, you know, like I don't have kids, first of all. Mm -hmm. Um, secondly, um, I am at a place right now with the PhD that I'm pretty much done with all my required coursework, which means that I can live and do my research wherever I want, which means I don't have to be, you know, I'm not, um, you know, located at the university, which is Alto University in Helsinki. So that gives me flexibility. Uh, But that was a conscious decision, by the way, also, that I did turn down offers to um, do the research at, some university faculties uh, in certain cities, because I, as an overcomer, I don't know, I'm just like blaming everything on my overcoming of like Davy now, but anyway, so I just knew that I need so much freedom that I can't be someone's beg and call, you know, at the age of like 30, um, going into, you know, do a PhD that I need to be able to just know when I'm gonna do it, with who, why, and get, get to change my direction if I want to and all that. So hence i crafted my own phd topic which is sisu <laughs> so it's the first first phd on this topic and uh which also gives me a little bit of freedom to um figure out uh, you know how to do it and then i i'm learning to say no like i really do feel that i'm sometimes i feel overwhelmed but most of the time not um so yeah it, it's just you have to be good you have to be very good to say no as well you know and you then. You could really give your heart to what you really want to do and which feels like the right thing like this podcast was like oh my i've enjoyed this so much and just amazing questions and you're just so genuinely there and i can like hear you like i can hear your breathing and you're just living with this moment with me and really holding a a safe space for this other human to show up you know and just you know be what she happens to be at this time and day you know so thank you
2: i'm glad that you didn't say no to us because we have to be oh, grateful well, that was not that. an
4: option <laughs> well that was not an option <laughs> with you <laughs> you booked me like in january
2: <laughs> i know it was uh i don't know it's, uh, it was awesome I, I have to i mean i have to ask you to come on the show because i know these guys will enjoy having you and, and your experience and everything that you have to talk about uh, because again I, i'm going back to the first time that we talked on the phone I, w- I was taken by you i was taken by everything that you said that day and your sincerity, your honesty, your, your, your compassion for other people is just amazing. Um, one thing that you were talking about that I've been trying, not trying, I've been actually working on it is uh, self-care. Mm. Um, and I think the only reason why I started paying more attention to it is, is because of you. Uh, but it takes time to practice that. I mean, it, it takes a lot of practice to get better at it. Uh, obviously, we are, uh, as human beings, we are very good at uh, uh, demeaning our efforts or, or not, I don't know, not giving credit to ourselves or not loving ourselves as much as we should. But it's, it's something that I've been working on. And I'm telling you, it's uh, it helps with everything, even with the depression. Yes. Um wow. it helps me to understand why my depression is there. I mean, it's just a couple of weeks ago I had this uh, this issue with my depression. It comes and goes, but I had it that was really bad two weeks ago mm. or something. But I through the self care and practicing it, I was able to deal with it in a much better way, in a much positive way than I've been in the few in the past. Um so that's something that I actually learned from you. Oh um, I'm, so that's I'm so that's happy been to hear.
4: It. Can I ask, because I think this might benefit the listeners, uh, How, what what did you do? Like in that moment of you felt the friend visiting you, the friend D, you know? And um, so what did you do for self-care? Um, um,
2: basically what I did is just I allowed myself to be sad. I allowed to, mm. my, my, myself to be depressed, and not to come down on myself, tell myself that I'm an idiot for feeling not okay, yeah. uh, for not hating myself. I finally got to the point where, is it is okay and we always tell that to other people if if you call me with those issues i'll tell you it is okay to feel not okay but when you are doing it yourself when you're going through that you feel like an idiot and you feel Mm. like criticizing yourself in the worst way um but the through the self-care that i've been learning um i totally is the opposite now i i it's okay for me and if i'm not feeling well i'm okay i'm gonna tell people i'm not feeling well Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not gonna put it on them I'm gonna try to find my my solution to it and the solution for me is that I know is it comes and it goes mm-hmm. uh, sometimes it's a lot more um, uh, it's a little harder to deal with with it mm-hmm. sometimes it's not sometimes it goes faster but uh, I just know that it's something that I, I'm always gonna have to 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 live with mm-hmm. but I think in, in, in the last The last time that I had it two weeks ago, it was just, it it taught me a lot that I was okay to allow myself to be depressed Mm. um, and to go to work and and to do things that I, in the past, I would have been not so great about. So, yeah, it was great. It was great. uh,
4: That's amazing. Um, Yeah. And you, in a way, you chose Sisu and courage, you know, over silence. In that thing, because it, it is so tough, unfortunately, to share our story the way it is unfolding. You know, we t- we kind of like to tell, talk in retrospect. You know, that oh this happened. You know, I nearly, you know, screwed up this thing, and but I didn't. I'm here. I won. You know, but when you're in the middle of it, it's so hard to be honest about um, just telling how we're doing and. If I may build on that, as I know we will have to wrap this up probably soon. I mean, I'm not in a rush anyway, but I'm just feeling bad for our listeners. And um, <laughs> so a few months ago, I think it may have been in January. Uh, I had this, I was running and I just felt really off. Um, I felt numb. Um, and I now have also started to recognize Um, the first signs of this visit, you know, of Mm -hmm. our friend depression, you know, or this, you know, thing that is, you know, there. Um, And I noticed it, you know, I I managed to catch it. And instead of doing what I have, I mean, I don't have a lot of experience because it's kind of a new thing only in the last couple of years. Uh, So I don't have a lot of experience, but it's a couple of (laughs) difficult enough experiences. So, I didn't do what I would normally do, which is to kind of just keep it to myself and be sad, uh, and then get to that downward spiral where you, you, know, you can end up pretty deep. Um, and you know, at that moment, I was running here, um, home somewhere. I just like immediately, I sat on a rock, it was raining, and I dialed my friend who happened to be visiting, uh, a friend from Finland who's absolutely amazing, my friend Mia Blockanen, and she happened to be visiting Stanford and I called her that, would you have time to go for a coffee with me? And she was like, yeah, sure, fine. And we met at Starbucks and I, in front of everyone, of course, because I'm me. I just cried and, like, I told her <laughs> that, that I'm feeling this. And it was, you know, it was a hard thing to say out loud because, if you know, I'm supposed to be doing these huge things and, you know, all that. And then you it's the same thing with the vi- telling about the domestic violence. Like, will people think that I'm damaged, you know? somehow permanently damaged because i've had Uh this experience same thing with depression like go try to like you know go get sponsors for your run across new zealand for 1500 miles when you (laughs) come out and say like well you know um i've been like depressed for (laughs) a week or so you know so we need to give more flexibility and space for people to really appear the way they are at a given moment because it it does fluctuate you know and uh nothing is permanent i mean that's the the lesson of impermanence is is a huge thing. And the, the amazing thing was after I shared this tiny thing with my friend, uh, I mean, I didn't even have to like bawl my eyes out. It was just more like this kind of, you know, um, just letting it out. and um, And it was fine. I was fine the next day. And I think I may have avoided a little bout of something there because of that thing that I changed my strategy and I adopted a new healthier one and... That's definitely going to be the thing that I will do next time if I and when I might feel super down or low, you know. So,
2: when um, this whole thing was happening, and and obviously, this guy that you used to be with uh, left the country, he fled. um, How long did it take you to talk to your parents about the situation? Was it something that you talked to them right away? Did it take you? A long time to actually be able to open up
4: well so the day when we when I left it was 3rd of October uh, 2010 I didn't tell my parents until I went home for Christmas because I just like I couldn't tell my mother and my father like drop this kind of a load on their shoulders and knowing that they can't like fly there and be with me uh, that mm-hmm. I felt Bad for them, you know, because uh, I knew that how much it would hurt them. Um, so I, I waited. I actually don't know. In retrospect, I, I just don't even understand how I was able to do it. Um, but I did it. And, of course, they were mad at me <laughs> for not telling them mm-hmm. immediately. Uh, already during the relationship, my dad was like, God damn, and I met that guy. We were at the summer place. I should have, like, drowned him there. <laughs> like at the, Or, like, you know, take him behind the sauna and, like, you know, shoot mm-hmm. him. You know. That's what we're doing Things, you know, <laughs> and, um, so we, this humor and, um, or is it? And, uh, I it so, was <laughs> and so, yeah, so it took me, it did take me a while, but I was able to tell both of them everything that had happened. And, uh, when I met my now husband, um, I did also tell him, uh, event, you know, like bit by bit, not like now we're going to sit down for 17 <laughs> hours, you know, and you're going to listen and I'm going to drink wine but Let's do a marathon. Just, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I um, took close people. It was easier, but then I think it was the final thing when I was able to really tell the story to people who I wasn't sure whether they will impose judgment and shaming on, shame on me or not. No, you know, so that was really when I owned my story, to be honest. And that's where I found this new strength um, and also new healing.
2: Did you go through any therapy, professional help, or it was something that you work yourself into?
4: Well, this is the thing that we each have such a different path, you know, and um, so a week after the, uh, the final incident, I was referred to um, a therapist, but it was just a... I, I know she was trying her best, but it was just a really bad match. Um, I think she kind of underestimated how much... Um, because I like to read and I like to learn about things. So I, at that point had already read like so many books and papers and just trying to understand. Cause it was for the first time I realized like, wow, I have been, you know, this has been happening. Um, and mm-hmm. I was completely just kind of blind to it. Um, so I felt like we didn't meet, you know, she was telling me things like, Oh, Amelia, you might kind of feel now that you're walking on eggshells. And I'm like, no shit. You know, it's like, it's just very <laughs> simple things. And uh, so I, I struggled to, stay there for that 45 minutes and the takeaway for someone listening to this is just um you might have to try a couple of therapists maybe more and don't be afraid to just say no and you know try out a new one um it's really about the match um and but i would definitely warmly warmly encourage people to seek uh someone a professional to talk to i in i ended up going to study psychology um And that's just, I think that's just kind of how I am. I remember after the crappy therapy session, uh, I walked out and I just thought to myself, like, I know I have the keys within me to work this shit out, you know, and figure out this thing. And I did go on that path. But that's just how my brain is also hardwired. And it's just maybe some pattern or something. And also, I had running from my past, you know, Mm -hmm. so... Running was my resort for my healing and uh, I and I walked I lived in Manhattan that time uh, in New York and oh my god, I may have just walked like every single street and avenue on that island pretty much um, listening to like music and just letting things kind of slowly come out from my system you know whether it's like tears or whether it's silence or or you know whatever it is and uh, then also huge um, source of purpose was to get into this school at UPenn, the Masters in Applied Positive Psychology program. And I actually got to really, I got to study these things and understand and seek knowledge. So, I mean, we have different things that heal us. Uh, astronomy is a huge thing for me. Like, just the to think about the universe and our how tiny we are and how we're still part of this massive, massive um, system and how little we know about it. Even that is a is a weirdly healing thought to me. So it's about really finding what feels true to you, whatever it is. But having said that, I when I look in retrospect, I do wish that for certain parts of my healing that I'm still struggling with, I do wish that I had um, kind of been more orga- organized about getting, you know, someone to talk to. But um, yeah, it's a, we all have a different path.
2: So with that, and I mean, it's hard because we go through that kind of, trauma and it's hard to trust the, the next person that comes along um mm. it happens to all of us it happened to me as a kid i didn't want to trust people so how how was it for you to be able to connect with this another male who happened now to be um now that you are um i mean this this person is now your husband how long did it take you to To get the trust there or to trust this person
4: Mm, you know it's um i mean saad notes that i like disclose all our personal personal information like (laughs) all the time so um Mm. he's actually sitting there and um doing his work it took me a long time um i mean i knew from our first date which turned out to be this seven hour long brunch on one saturday um west village and we ended up just walking around there and i i it was there was so much love uh, love as in like not like the kind of mature love but affection i would say uh from the first day and um and he was just so different from everyone who i've ever met and um but i do remember having this moment when i was like i think a year into our relationship and we were living together at that point and you know, happy, everything's going well. Um, and I realized that you know, if he would tell me the next day that Amelia, like, I'm gonna like dump you now, I'm gonna leave, you know, I I was thinking that wow, I would have just probably been like, well, that's fine, that's totally okay, you know. It's like, it would have not broken me, you know. And having simulating this scenario in my mind, it made me realize that wow, like. You know, I, I haven't been able to give myself and surrender on that deep level, and that made me question myself. That wow, is it actually true that maybe I am permanently damaged? You know, like maybe like I asked the questions like, can I ever love fully and whole, you know, wholesomely? You know, um, so that was a moment when I really had to start more consciously um work on the issues that I had around trust. You know, and mm-hmm. it really it's been a long process. And I mean, now I'm you know we've been in that sweet sacred space for a long time where you know he's my most important human and i would you know do anything for him and he would do for me and but it did take a while and i can't even almost i don't think i can even say what the process was but it was mm-hmm. just choosing to um you know I, I don't even know how to say it to be honest like i don't know how it happened i think time heals you know Time and then relationships that allow you to be who you are and people who hold you and create safe psychologically safe spaces for you because those are the people who really earn your your trust and oh, deserve absolutely. to have it. So
0: Okay. All right. I think our time's up here. Um okay. before we before we finish here, we like to do five completely random questions that have absolutely nothing to do with what we just talked about. Are you down for that, Amelia?
4: Oh, I am. Oh, my God, these are so scary. I always hear these in podcasts.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's, it's, it's like, what's your favorite food? Um, <laughs> I'm going to let Julio go first.
2: No, no, I don't, I don't want to go first this time. I always go first.
3: All right, that's good. Oh, Let's cute. Steve, Steve's here. Steve, are you here? Yep. All right, go first. Yep. <laughs> what's your favorite source of calories on long runs?
4: Oh, that's awesome. Uh, on long runs. Ah,
3: so I... Dumb.
4: Damn, that's well. I do like when I before I go, I eat an, you know, I had a, I have a butter coffee, bulletproof coffee, and something like you know oatmeal. So, and I'm pretty fat adapted nowadays. So favorite source of calories, definitely not gels. Mm, um, okay, this is gonna be a total advertisement, but they're not my sponsors, so I can say it. Uh, what is this shit called? Tailwind. Yes, that's Okay. <laughs> so, like, it's on top of my refrigerator, and that stuff works. Okay. Good job. Got (laughs)
1: Right
0: on. All right, Elizabeth.
1: Uh, You were mentioning, like, what's one way that you're being kind to yourself in your training these days?
4: Oh, that's so nice. I, I try to approach my runs almost like, you know, I call them. Uh, like that, I say that I go on dates with my body, you know. Because <laughs> if if you, <laughs> <laughs> you know, hear me out, it's so nice. It changed everything. <laughs> so, what it means is that you know, imagine when you when you do go good. or when you used to go on dates, you know, um, and you know you have this mindset of curiosity um and you don't just like go there and like eat your food and then like buy now you know it's like, yeah. you're, like really, really like mindfully present and you ask questions even if they have like stupid hobbies you know it's like tell me more about your stamp collection you know it's, like what year you know so um so I try to do this and this is just my own like weird philosophy and um that I try to Have that mindset when I go on my run, so I don't just go out there, but I really try to scan my body uh, of like how is it feeling, you know. So I I do sometimes listen to music. Uh, It doesn't, but I can do it even with music, to be honest. So um, I think that's it, because that allows me to be actually genuinely interested in what's going on, and that is in uh, that is uh, in alignment with my mantra and my philosophy of, you know, to honor myself, even though I do. Like some Ironman, for example, you know. Like I finished strong, went for a run the next day. Like I was not in pain, you know. So that's the reward for that, you know. So.
3: Okay. Um. Um, Yeah, go
2: for it. I'll go. Yeah. Okay. All right. Okay, I'll go. I'll go. Yeah. Um, Emilia, who do you most admire in life?
4: Mm, it's really hard hard for me to give names yeah you know and honestly like i i'm sorry if i sound super like lame and cheesy but i really have to say my husband to this because um he has just because of his own personal sisu and how he has had his own things that he's had to you know deal with and just be super resilient and you know he's been taking care of me as well so i've been able to you know pursue this dream of this social activism stuff um Like, I don't have a research grant right now, and so my income is the speeches that I give intermittently and all that. So having that burden on his shoulders and then some other, like, super crap shit, you know, so... And really see how he is just so strong and so almost stoic without being disconnected um, in how he endures. It is just the most damn inspiring thing that I have seen recently, you know, so I have to say my husband. I I'm can not we, gonna would, say this next time because otherwise it gets would you, cheesy. You know, would but. you say
3: he's your rock? Because then that would be cheesy.
4: <laughs> <laughs> no, but he's my he's my honey muffin.
3: <laughs> well
4: <laughs> Amelia, can we I send that?
2: Can we send Kevin to spend time with your husband so he can learn something?
4: Oh no. yeah, we can no. we can no. we take we take tri yeah, wow. we take O pairs. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and I need someone to, you know, to pack my running bag and, you
0: know. <laughs> so <laughs> shit. Hey, I'm so now. organized. It would be so horrible.
4: Maybe you'll come to New yeah. Zealand. Oh, and oh then I don't know. I changed my mind. I changed my mind. Yeah, no, it would
0: be hard. You might die if I pack your running bag. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, like it's, it's like
4: nails. Me. You pack nails. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> There's one rock like in Charlie Brown. um mm-hmm. Okay, so you've traveled around a lot. Do you have like a favorite spot? Oh,
4: dude, I know it's a hard, like, it's a hard yeah,
0: one. No one I, ever I, says like a specific one whenever I ask this.
4: Well, <laughs> I actually have a very, very, very specific place. I mean, I think you might may have guessed that my place would be New Zealand. Uh, it is my spiritual home and has been for a long time. But in New Zealand, um, there's a place called uh, Wanaka. It's spelled W A N A K A. Hey, that's Uh, where our
2: friend um, Malcolm lives. Oh
4: yes, yeah. Oh yes, he lives there as well. So that lake is absolutely gorgeous, and I got to run along Lake Wanaka when I finally got to visit my spiritual home country a few weeks ago. I was there for three and a half, three weeks, and I did this thirty-kilometer trail uh, alongside Wanaka and. It was something just magical. I mean, it's hard to explain. So I, that has to be one of my special places on this little pale blue dot that we we live on. So
2: It's kind of funny you mentioned that because next weekend we'll have Sally La on the show, which is Marcos La's wife.
4: Oh, nice. Oh, that's wonderful. I can't wait to hear that podcast.
3: Okay, Steve, last one. All right. If you had to do any type of home improvement project, what would it be?
4: Uh you know, okay, here 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 is one. Okay, now I'm gonna be cheeky. So What would, the
2: hell was that?
4: <laughs> a I would like question. question. I love no, but, it no,
0: That was but, the most creative question I've ever heard in my life.
4: Okay. Wait till wait till you hear my answer.
0: Okay, all right, all right. Fine, all right. I'm on the edge of my, my seat.
4: Oh my god, my husband is gonna kill me. So um <laughs> in our shower, I would probably um create some kind of um, what's now now I'm actually failing with my English Mm. Um, I would create such a system to our shower that when you exit the shower and when you leave the towel on what I what I call a crump it is exactly what it sounds like it's not an English word but it means that you throw the towel on top of the the rim of the the shower Mm. curtain thing and -hmm. it leaves on this like huge like like just a lump And like for some reason, there's like this lump every morning when I go to the bathroom. So if there was some kind of a system that would send like electric shocks, you know, to whoever like throws the shower, the <laughs> towels on that, Bye, the water. Then, uh, yeah, like some like hair dryer, you know, <laughs> you know, talking doesn't help, you know. Yeah. <laughs> That's just like off the bat. That's like what I would create, and I would patent it. I would, that would be cool. I, I would fund my entire running campaign, you know, with that.
0: <laughs> Change the world
3: with that one. What would you call it? The,
4: I'm I'm so horrible.
3: <laughs> yeah. the crumper.
4: the de the de crumper. We D can crumper. also call it That's the really trumper. creative. Maybe, maybe some de trumper as well. You know, maybe we can like expand yeah. on it.
3: Yeah. I was going to say something yeah. a lot less appropriate, but de crumper <laughs> is good. Say no, say it, Steve. Go ahead. Crump fucker? No, that doesn't work. Uh, I'm sorry. Okay, Emilia. Well, <laughs> If
2: you come up with the idea, I mean, if you come up with a product, you have to give some credit to uh,
3: Steve for asking
2: the question.
4: Well, obviously, yeah. I would, like, love to fund you people, you know. So, oh, it's thank
2: like, you.
4: Talking of funding, I have a funding going on. <laughs> <laughs>
2: let's, let's, let's do it. Yeah
1: how,
4: can people what do
2: you donate to, yeah, how can people donate to your cause? How can people help you?
4: Oh, Okay, so my website... Uh, is my first name last name.com so it's amelialahy.com I'm sure you'd like add this there uh, or sisu not silence Sisu is spelled S-I-S-U. so sisu not silence.com um, and all my social media links are there so I'm you know on Instagram and all the usual and um, so those would be the avenues and and most importantly uh, if I think of the mission of siSU not silence is to kind of think what is it? that allows you to open doors for other people on daily basis. So I actually don't give a damn if someone funds me or not. I would rather see people, you know, take this to their take this to our hearts. I mean, I'm preaching this to myself every day as well to show up the way we are and be just tell our story how it is because that opens the bridge to someone else. But if you do have extra dollar or 100 dollars or, you know, whatever, the campaign is also you know, we can find it from my website. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. Perfect. <All> right.
4: <laughs> yeah. I think
0: we're all good. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. yeah.
4: Thanks for coming on. Thank you for having me. This was such a ball. <laughs>
2: Thank you, Amelia, so much. Um, very proud of what you're doing and keep on going.
4: Thank you. You too, yeah, brother. We'll,
0: we'll talk soon, all right?
4: Yeah, and Soxy. good luck with
1: good luck with your training and your run in November. So Thanks so much. We'll be we'll all be watching you and cheering you on from the states here. So
5: <laughs> awesome.
3: All right. Thank you so much. All right. Take
5: Thank care. You. Bye.
0: Bye bye. Please come visit us on social media. On Facebook, we are Defeat the Stigma Project. On Twitter at Dsp underscore Run. On Instagram at Dsp underscore Run. And at our website, defeatthestigmaproject.org. Please subscribe to our podcast, iTunes, Defeat the Stigma Project, SoundCloud, SoundCloud.com slash Defeat the Stigma Project. Tune in. Defeat the Stigma Podcast. Or our website at defeatthestigmaproject.org slash podcasts. If you're using iTunes please give us a rating and leave a review. We appreciate your feedback. Join our Strava club. Strava.com slash club slash defeat the stigma project. Thank you for listening.
5: Cheers.